Are you tired of spending your time and money chasing strategy after strategy only to discover what worked 10, 5, or even 2 years ago is not working now? Things shift fast in the online space, and if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. It's time for something different. Welcome to the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast, where every single episode will be jam-packed with proven, profitable strategies, behind-the-scenes secrets, and what's working now resources. From industry experts and global influencers to help you scale your business, shorten your learning curve, and stand out in a crowded, noisy marketplace. And now, your host, award-winning marketing and media strategist and international speaker, Patty Farmer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Marketing, Media, and Money podcast. I'm your host, Patty Farmer, and I'm looking forward to sharing today's industry expert with you. And I'm really excited to have Mary on the show today. I've known her for over a dozen years. And it's not just that I've known her, it's that I have watched her impact so many people's lives personally, professionally, and mine as well. And she is someone who literally walks the walk, doesn't just talk the talk. And we're going to kind of talk about some really interesting and deep conversations today about leadership and balance. What does that really mean? And how does your faith play into it? So I'm going to tell you, get a pen and paper because you're really going to, what I like to say is Mary's really going to pour into you today. And I really want you to be open to receive. So let me tell you a little bit about Mary. So Miriam Wado is a Christian, a wife, and a mom of three. And this former engineer whose passion for personal growth combined with her love of people has helped her and her husband, Richard, to become one of the most successful couples in direct sales. But Mary leads as a servant leader and has a calling to coach and train other women and having it all without sacrificing anything. She has found a powerful way to intentionally integrate her faith family, and business. And her desire is to help as many people as she can to become free financially, emotionally, and spiritually. So thank you so much, Mary, for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Patty. What an honor. Oh, thank you. And I have to tell you, it is an honor for me to be able to share you with my audience because, you know, you just meet those people in your life that you're like, oh, if I could just introduce them to you and have them know you and know your heart like I do. And I know they're going to today. And it just really is a privilege for me to be able to share you with them. So let's just dive in right away. So I know you and Richard are one of the most successful couples in direct sales. And I have seen you really show up, lean in and be leaders for a multitude of years, right? But when we talk about being successful, let's kind of start there. To you, in your words, what does success mean to you? You know, I read this in a book years ago, and I can't remember the author. I wish I did so I could give him credit. I feel like it was, I'm not going to say because I might give wrong credit, but it was success is being respected the most by people who are closest to you. So it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about the things. But at the end of the day, it's about your relationships. And if your relationships aren't rich and just saturated and present with love, you got nothing. You just really have nothing. That is so true on so many levels. So let's talk about leadership. Now, I have to tell you, you have been a leader in every aspect from the minute that I have known you, right? I have seen you do it in church. I've seen you do it as a friend. I've seen you do it in business. And I have always really admired and respected you for that. But how do you develop yourself as a leader for those of us or those of the people in the audience that maybe they don't really feel like one? You know, I never saw myself as a leader before, and it didn't... I didn't go set out to become a leader. It just kind of developed over time. 
I was just looking to be better. I was just looking to be more effective. All a leader is, is someone that other people want to be like. You know, they say it all the time. Nobody chooses who follows them, but everybody chooses who leads them. So to become a leader, you got to be someone that you would want to follow. It's all about you being the best version of yourself. And I always tell people, pick an area that you want to develop yourself in, whether that's in your finances, your physical fitness, your thought processes, your parenting, any area of your life that you want to get better, dig into that area. Just get better because that will bleed into other areas. Why? Because when you heighten your awareness in how you're being in one area of your life, you will naturally heighten your awareness in how you're being in other areas of your life. And that getting better, it just, it becomes something that you just have a hunger for. Like once you have an experience of having a breakthrough in an area, once you've had an experience of just becoming someone that you never thought you could be, that starts to become addictive. You start to see where else can I get better? And that's really the first step in becoming a leader is just becoming better. I think that's so true. And I know that you shared with me once when we were having lunch that you told me that you and your husband, Richard, I think you said once a quarter, I could be wrong in that. You can correct me. But I think you said that once a quarter, you guys actually go check yourselves into a hotel by yourselves and focus and talk and have discussions on where you guys want to focus, where you want to pour into, whether that's your children, church, your business, where you feel called to do that. And you guys formulate a plan for that. And I remember thinking how amazing that was that you you did that. How long have you guys been doing that? And how effective has that been professionally and on a personal level as well? So we, um, we actually do that once a year. It's called our annual vision trip. We try to do that in early December to prepare for the next year. And we actually learned that from Pastor Jimmy Evans. He and his wife, Karen, have a ministry called Marriage Today. And he probably, I don't know, I say seven or eight years ago, uh, we did a simulcast event at our church with all these hundreds of couples. And Uh, That was the one thing we pulled out of that was we were going to do this vision trip. And out of all the hundreds of couples that were at that event, I only know two other couples who have ever done it. And only one of those two do it consistently every year. So, but we've done it consistently. And for most couples, he says, you take two or three days out, half the time you spend having fun. The other half, you work on your marriage. What do you want to work on with your kids? What do you want to work on with your relationship? Who are uh, relationships you want to foster, other couples you want to be with, mentors you want to have. So you discuss all those things, areas in your relationship that you are having an issue with. So there's a really great structure for you to address things that you don't necessarily want to address or you don't know how to address. So there's a workbook, there's videos. So we started doing that years ago and we actually, it's now uh, probably four or five days that we usually go because we also work on our business. So we're unique that we work together also. So we work on our business, we work on our marriage, we work on ourselves. Um, and one of the things that I can tell you is there's been a couple of years where we've skipped it because in 2019, our daughter got married and we were having a lot of you know things that were happening and we couldn't squeeze it in. And we really could feel the effects of it because we didn't have that game plan strategy and mapped out the whole year. You know, a lot of times people map out their own year, but when you're married, if you don't map out your year and how your family's going to go, it's just going to be whatever happens is just by default. It's, it's accidental. It's not intentional. And if you don't operate with a plan in your family, and your marriage, Don't be surprised that one, two, three, five years down the road, you're dealing with the exact same thing you've always been dealing with because there's no structure for having any kind of breakthrough or progress in that area. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, like, you know, we think about all the things we do professionally and we think, oh, I'm going to hire a coach or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And we don't think anything of that, right? That's an investment, right? But the reality really is what greater investment can there be into you're as a couple, right? So in all those different areas, right? So you pour in 
And I always really have always believed input equals output, right? You know, so absolutely. I mean, you cannot be effective in your job and in your business if your home life stinks. You just can't. You can do it for a period, but you can't do it over a sustained amount of time because how you are in one area will eventually bleed into another area. So if you're struggling in one area, you're going to start, you're eventually going to struggle another area if you don't turn that around. So really for us, our marriage is foundational. So how our marriage goes is how our kids go, is how our business goes. So for us, especially any couples that work together, especially, it is super critical that your relationship is working and that you guys are working together. Otherwise, it just starts to bleed into everything else. Wow, which kind of leads us into something that I think is also very important, which is balance. So how do you balance all those areas in your life and not go out of your mind? You know, it's funny. People think that balance is giving equal time to everything that's important to you. And that's just not realistic. You know, if you think about balance, right, it's giving attention to the things that require it in that season. So if you think about like, you think about a boat, you know, if you've got one area of the boat where it's really, really weighted in order to balance it, you've got to give attention to the other side of the boat to balance out the weight. Well, same with your life. If you've got something that's really heavy, that's happening, what balance might be is giving all of your attention to that area. If you had a sick child that's in the hospital, what balance looks like is you're in that hospital with that sick child and everything kind of goes to the wayside. Where people struggle is they think that they've got to give all this equal time to all these areas. And that's just not, it's not realistic because life doesn't look that way. You know, in one season, if you're struggling in your marriage, you might be giving extra time to that, to that marriage. And you might be spending less time with your friends. If you are in, you know, physical distress, maybe you're having a health challenge. Maybe in that season, you're spending time at the gym. You're spending a lot of time, you know, cooking or you know, eating right and less time doing other things. So, you know, one thing that I always say is you got to really understand your core values because your core values will dictate what balance looks like. You know, for me, one of my core values is relationship. So when someone asks me to go to the movies, I don't really say yes to that because to me, that doesn't foster the relationship. Now, if they ask me to go to dinner, then that fosters the relationship. So just looking at your core values will dictate where you should invest your time because time is just like money. You're either spending it, or you're investing it. Sometimes it's time to me. I think at different seasons of your life, one is more than the other. And I really always am working on where am I spending my time, my money, my energy, my resources, all of those things come into play. I think even there was a time back in the day <laughs> where even when you filled out a resume, one of the top things they wanted to know is that you could multitask. But I think we've gotten away from that. Now we want to know that you know how to focus, right? So I love what you're saying about not doing things equally because that really does make a lot of sense. You need to be focusing on what is important right now. And the question really then becomes, what do you focus on when everything seems like it's important? Well, you know, we talked, you said something about spending your time and looking at where you spend your time. I think people need to really shift. Where are you investing your time? So everything seems important, but what's going to give you the biggest return on your time investment? So when everything's important at the end of the day, what's going to give you the greatest return? Because sometimes everything is important. But what most people forget about is investing time in things that are going to pay you long-term. So one of the things that's a major investment for me is my kids. Cause that's like my number one job. I only have one shot to raise my kids and that's it. Once that shot's over, it's over. There are 50 million ways I can make money. And if any business ends, you can start another business, right? But you got one shot to raise your kids. So if you look at, if all things are important, sometimes you got to put something to the wayside temporarily to devote attention on something that is critical right now. So there's been seasons where I've got a mound of work. I've got a lot going on. I've got people wanting attention, people asking for coaching, deadlines for the business. And then I look at my kids and they need me. They need some time. They need some attention. Well, you know what? That is going to have the greater return on investment is 
investing that time in my kids. So can I do that every day? No, I can't. But you've got to look at your schedule and your schedule is going to be a, it's going to dictate, if you look at your schedule and you look at your bank account, that's going to indicate what's most important to you. So if what's most important to you really isn't being dictated by your schedule and your bank account, then you need to reevaluate that. And I think that's where people struggle is they, I know, especially with mamas, you know, when you're working, if you, especially if you're a business owner and you've got a business and you've got employees and you've got kids, there have been seasons where I feel like I'm not winning in any of those areas. Everything's okay. But when you're a top producer, and I know a lot of women that listen to your pod or men also that listen to your podcast that are top producers, it's really, it doesn't feel good when things all feel okay. When you're used to having things be extraordinary. If your marriage is okay and your kids are okay and your finances are okay and your business is okay, that doesn't feel good for someone who's a great producer. So I always look at, okay, what's the one area in my life that if I impacted that area would have the greatest ripple effect for all the other areas of my life. And typically for me, that is either my spiritual walk with God or my relationship with my husband or my kids. Those are the, those are the areas that if I focus on that, it would have a ripple effect in the other. It's not my business. It's not, it's not my finances. It's not my working out. It's usually my relationship with God or my relationship with my husband or my kids. So that's the thing is when everything seems important, you got to ask yourself, what's the one area that if I focused on would have the greatest ripple effect in all those other areas? And that's where you focus. I really love that. You know, I heard this quote once and at first I was like, wow, that kind of slaps you up beside the face. But when you think about it, it was really quite profound. And what it was, was this. If you feel like you have a problem and that problem can be solved by throwing money at it, it's not a problem. That is really good. It's not a problem. (laughs) Right. And so I feel like when you think about things, a lot of times you're like, oh my gosh, all these things are going on. Because just like what you said, you can always make more money. That is something that really, honestly, if you're willing to do the work, you can make money. But you're right. Those other things that are in our life, They're only here for right now. And it is really, really important to know what it is that you want to focus on. And I know for me as a speaker, that was something that was super important when I was going to be traveling was to sit down with my husband and say, you know, these are what we want to do. This is what we want to accomplish. And doing this will get us there faster. But where was the balance between getting there faster and being gone and being at home with my husband? And so I have to tell you, We talk about it a lot. And I'm always asking him, hey, whenever this doesn't feel right to you, all you have to do is say so, right? Because that is not something that, that's not the only way. It's like when you go to the gym, right? You know, and they're like, oh, I want to work on my abs. Well, if you have a bad back and you can't get on the floor and do sit-ups, there is another exercise to work that muscle. That's not the only way you have to do it. So sometimes it may seem like, oh, this is just too much for me to do. There's another way. You know, I love, I love that. There is always another way. I remember John Maxwell saying, instead of asking, can or I, can't I, which is what most people go default to is I can or I can't. If there's something you really want, you, you should start asking yourself is how can I? So working that muscle group, right? How can I, if I can't do setups, how can I, if I can't make this happen this way, how can I? And asking how can I brings up creative things that you can do. And I'll tell you one book that really impacted me in that thought process was this book called Leading on Empty. And it really is a book for people in ministry, but it spoke to me as a leader so much because I was leading on empty. My tank was empty. I was giving and giving and giving, giving to my kids and giving to my marriage and giving giving to my team and giving to my business. And I felt so mentally and emotionally drained. And one of the things he says in that book is he said, listen, 97% of all the things you do, what anybody with enough training can do it, you're replaceable. But though that 3%, that is something that only you can do. And that's something that you got to do first. And that really changed my thought process on a lot of things. 
when you really uh, get that there's only a handful of things that God really set aside for you to handle and you got to handle that, it changes your perspective. So for me, I'm the only mom that my three kids have. You know, if I were to pass and Richard were to get married again, they could have another stepmom, but she'll never be with me, right? So that's something that only I can do. I can, only I can be a wife to my husband. Only I can work on my health and wellness. Only I can have a relationship with God. So that's, that's for me to do. All this other stuff is fleeting. And you're absolutely right. If you can throw money at it, it's not a problem. I totally agree with you. You know, sometimes you have to give yourself grace. And I remember I really struggled with some of the things that people said you had to do a business like, oh, you have to blog. Like that was a really big one for me. Oh, Patty, you have to blog. It was just so much for me because not that I can't write, but it's not something that I do as easily as speak. And I really struggled with people telling me, oh, that's what I needed to do. And I finally just took a step back and said, no, I need to find another way. And that way for me was to publish a magazine. It's published quarterly. That freed up so much time for me rather than having to write every single week in a blog. So there's always a different way to do something. You don't have to do it the same way that everybody else does it, right? You get to be uniquely you. And I always like to say, feed your soul. That's what's important to me is doing things that feed my soul. So for me, one of the things that I believe is when I'm doing things that need to generate revenue, then I need to focus on generating revenue. And when I'm doing things that feed my soul, I don't care if I make a dime, those things feed my soul. The goal is to be able to be able to know when you should be doing one and when you should be doing the other. And so that is always where I have always got my clarity and knowing when. Like there's times that for me, I'm the most creative in the morning, right? And so I a lot, when is the time that I should be doing relationship building things? So I know when I should be having those phone calls that deepen relationships. When should I actually be focusing on revenue generating things? And I think everybody needs to know what those things are for them. And I think that is really, really important. Like for me, there is no emergency. I mean, I'm in marketing. You know, there's, it's not like there's blood involved or anything like marketing. There's never a marketing emergency, right? So unless I'm out of town speaking, there is no way that I pick up the phone to answer to anybody on a weekend. That time is for my husband. And that's our couple time. And that's just how it is. And that's a boundary. And I think it is important to have those boundaries to really be able to get that balance. But we don't always learn these things all at one time, right? You know, sometimes we learn them because we have people in our life, right? We have coaches and we have mentors. And I think mentorship is super important. So how do you find a mentor that can help you grow? I mean, obviously you've been through a lot of growth and you actually focus a lot on personal growth and business growth, but how do you find a mentor that can help you grow? You know, it all, it all depends on the season of life that I'm in. I'm always looking at what's the area, you know, and you don't have to have a mentor that, you know, that you're meeting with a mentor could be someone from afar. It could be someone famous that you follow. They, you read their books, you listen to their podcasts, you watch them on YouTube, you know, mentors can come in a lot of different, you know, avenues, because especially in today's day and age. There's just no reason why you don't have mentorship, you know? And I think you need to look at what's the area of your life, going back to what I said before, what's the area of life that if that were to dramatically improve, would impact all the other areas of your life? And that's really where you start to look and develop yourself. You know, a lot of people collapse mentorship and coaching. They think, oh, well, I have a coach, I have a mentor. And I just don't think those are the same thing. You know, I feel like, a coach is really there to help you produce a specific result. So I might have someone who coaches me in my health. I might have someone who coaches me at the gym. I might have someone coaching me in speaking skills, you know, public speaking. That's a coach. It's really, and usually a coach you pay. Sometimes you don't have to pay for them, but it's typically someone who's help, here to help you produce a specific result. A mentor is really someone who's there to help you grow. It's someone to help you grow your capacity. I always hear people say, my plate's really full. My plate's really full. But people also say, you want something done? You give it to a busy person. 
because they have a different kind of capacity. So I tell people what a mentor is for is to help increase your capacity. So if you're, if you have a plate and your plate is full, let me go get a mentor to help you increase your plate size so that your capacity for handling more is there. You know, so, so many people, they get looked over for promotions. They look over for opportunities because they haven't grown themselves and they haven't grown their capacity. You know, people who ongoingly get opportunity is because they've been intentional about growing their capacity. And so that's really what a mentor is for. Just look for areas in your life that you want to improve. Start diving in, start asking questions. That's the main thing. I think our society has smacked people down and really conditioned us not to ask questions because as kids, especially a lot of households I've heard, you know, kids are, they're not encouraged to ask questions. Like, shh, don't talk, you know, only ask questions when someone talks to you. And that's just really where you're going to develop yourself is asking questions until you get the answers you need. And people who are in growth and development, they don't mind getting questions asked. They just, we, people like you and I, Patty, people that listen to this podcast, they love sharing their wisdom with people because they didn't get here on their own. They got here because someone poured into them. And so people like that are usually more than happy to pour into you. So that's my recommendations. Find the area of your life that you want to grow and just start diving in. There's books, there's podcasts, there's a litany of resources that you can have completely free. You don't have to pay for mentorship if you don't have the resources for that. But if you have the resources for that, I highly recommend you invest in yourself. Invest in yourself, invest in mentorship, invest in training and development. I totally agree with you. You know, I feel like we all have gifts, but God didn't give us those gifts so we could keep them in our living room, right? He gave us those gifts for us to pour into other people. And so I really take that very, very seriously. And sometimes the gifts are gifts that you use in your business, right? In your professional life. Sometimes those gifts are gifts that we share in our personal life. But sometimes people will come to you out of nowhere. I can't even tell you how many times somebody like I didn't know and they just said, oh, Patty, I've been following you or this and that. And I'd love to jump on a call. And you didn't even see it coming. And then all of a sudden, they just wanted to have a conversation. They asked you questions. You mentored them a little bit. And then later on, they'll come back to you and tell you how much that changed their life. And you're like, wow, right? And you just really don't realize sometimes that the words and the actions that we take, really, honestly, those things are things that other people are praying for sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know you have that experience a lot, Patty. And that, you know, I heard a sermon one time that said, you know, you have to be in a good pouring position to really experience the fullness of life. And what he says is you have to, in the pouring position, you have to be poured into but you also have to pour out. So you can't just pour out, pour out, pour out. You also have to be poured into, but you can't just be poured into without pouring out. So there's got to be a balance. So as you learn and develop, you got to pour out and give to the next generation or the next level of leadership. And I think a lot of times people really disqualify themselves and what they've accomplished. They most of the time, we as human beings, we only look at where we are and where we want to be and how far there is to go. But very rarely we look back at how far we've come and said, wow, I've come a long ways. And they discount all the growth that they've had from way back when to now. And they don't realize you have something that you can give to somebody else. You are not the same person you were five and 10 years ago. And you can help somebody with the wisdom that you have now. You know, I always tell my kids, you can learn from experience or you can learn from wisdom. So experience hurts and costs more than wisdom. Wisdom is somebody else's experience. So but sometimes my kids, they choose experience. And, you know, that's the great thing is like people who are hungry to learn, they want to learn from wisdom. So you've got some wisdom, whether you realize it or not, that you can give and pour into somebody else. I love the way you said that. That really makes a lot of sense to me. So let's kind of talk a little bit about faith. I know everybody doesn't always like to talk about that. I know it's a subject that you and I talk about a lot. How do you integrate your faith 
without alienating people or seeming too churchy. You know, sometimes people are totally open to that. You can see that in the way that they live their life, that they are just so open for that, right? But the fact of the matter is, this is who we are, right? You know, our faith, both you and me, our faith is such an important part of who we are. I couldn't have it be a part of my life or business, even if I wanted to. Like, I I wouldn't even know how to make a choice to do that. It is just who I am at my core. So how do you integrate it for you and for Richard and for leadership for your team and your family and all the things that you do? Well, for me, I, I don't hide it. Just like with you, Patty, we don't, we don't hide it, but I am also sensitive to where people are at. So I always pray that God would make, have me be sensitive to where people are. And I always pray that he would use me. So I always listen for the prompting of the Holy Spirit to see where there's an opportunity to share. And I don't always share, but if there's somebody that's struggling, that's in need, I don't care what their faith is. I don't care what their background is. I always just ask for permission. May I pray for you? Because I remember probably about 15 years ago, I went to Brazil on a ministry trip. It was my first and only ministry trip. So that's not my calling. God did not call me out to the mission field. I love the men and women who do that. And I will uh, fund their, their excursions and their trips, but that is not my calling. But I did go one time and I remember the pastor in Brazil saying that way back in the, when Jesus walked the earth, people didn't call themselves Christians. Other people called them Christians because they were little Christ, because they saw them doing the works that Christ did. So these people, these disciples, when they walked the earth, when someone had an issue, they didn't say, I'll put you on my prayer list. They prayed with them right then and there. So that really convicted me in that time. Like how many times have I said that? I'll pray for you. And I really, in the moment, intended to pray for them. But then when I walked away, I totally forgot about it because life got busy. And that happens to the best of us, right? And so after that ministry trip, when someone had an issue, I would always say, may I pray for you? And they would look at me like I had three eyes. And they said, now? I said, yeah, if that's okay with you. And not ever, not ever in those, since, the, since I started that 15 years ago, not one single person ever has ever said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. They always welcomed it. And that's how I just integrated. If I felt a prompting to pray for someone, I would just pray for them. I would just, you know, ask the Lord to lead me in that and say whatever was on his heart for them. And then there was also, I, I always, I pray over my team. I pray over my kids. I pray over my household. Shoot. I even pray for my grass to grow in my side yard. That's dead, you know, because God wants to uh, give us the desires of our heart. So you might as well pray for it all. But I always just, I um, listen really for the Holy Spirit to lead me in that. I don't, I don't apologize for it. One thing that I've had to do that's been honestly, quite honestly, a struggle for me is um, observing a Sabbath. You know, it says in the Ten Commandments that you should work six days and on the seventh day, keep it holy unto the Lord. And Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church did a sermon about taking the day off on a Sabbath. And I am terrible at doing it, terrible at doing it. But I felt really convicted and I started doing it and it's made a world of difference. But I let all of my teammates know, I let my leaders know, hey, just a reminder, I'm not going to be in the chats all from 3 p.m. Saturday to 3 p.m. Sunday. If anything's on fire, text me or call me, but I won't be checking my messages in here. And it's made a world of difference. It's made a world of difference uh, for my team because they see it as an example. They, it's been made a world of difference for me because I can refresh myself. And it's something that people ask me about it. And I tell them it's my act of obedience because if it were left to me, I would work seven days a week because I love what I do. I really love what I do. And so for someone of faith, I think we've got to do and put priority on what God's called us to do. So for me as a Christian leader, He's called me to be an example in the marketplace in all facets. So it's in my relationship. It's in my relationship to him. It's in the time I spend and invest in my business and in my relationship with God. It's how I treat people, you know, and and I lead that way. I think people are really surprised, especially in our profession, 
there's great things about our profession and there's not great things about our profession, but I'm really out to change people's perception of that because of how I lead. I remember doing a event with John Maxwell and I know a lot of people know who he is. Some people don't know, which I'm surprised, but he's a Christian author, speaker, and his main thing is leadership development. And I remember asking him, I remember working with him and thinking, I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be an example where people would be drawn towards having a relationship with Jesus because of the example he is. And that's kind of the place I stand for from. And, you know, years ago, I created my, my personal mission statement, which is on my wall that's in all of my Zooms, and it's to glorify God by being thoroughly used for his purpose. And so whatever purpose that is in that moment, that's what I'm going to do. Maybe that's taking out the trash. Maybe that's scrubbing toilets. Maybe that's mentoring someone, but that's what I focus on in that moment. That's a powerful statement right there. And I love that. And just going back to that part about praying right now, I've actually been on the receiving side of that with you. And I do have to say the first time I remember when I shared with you when my mom passed away and you said that, I was totally blown away. I really was. I remember thinking, what? Like right now, I remember that was my exact reaction, but it was a made a huge impact in my life and I was forever grateful for it and stuff. And so I have to say that, you know, people lead different ways, how, how we mentor people, how we lead, how we love, right? You know, it, it's not the same for every single person, but I love it. So I have to say, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about how you lead, and that you are, you know, that you lead and work with your husband, Richard, and that you are a very successful couple in direct sales. So I kind of want to address that for just a minute. As leaders, what would you say is a common myth, is a common myth about the direct sales industry? There's a lot. <laughs> There's so many common myths. So there's the myths of the people who are not in the industry. And then there's the myths of the people who are in the industry. So one, Interesting. Yeah. So one common myth of people not in the industry is that you've got to be a pariah with your friends and family to have success. You know, you've got to have something, some inherent skill of just being able to sell to have success. And that's just not true, you know? You, I always tell people that direct sales is an actual profession. So it's not just an, it's a profession. You have to learn skills and develop yourself over time to have success. Can anyone do it? Yes. Does it take time? Yes. And that's with anything. You and I can decide today, Patty, you know what? Let's go and do a marathon next year. Can we both do it? Yes. Is it going to take us both some time? Yes. You know, will you and I both need to be on different paths on getting there? Yes. But it's not a myth that only certain people can run a marathon. Anyone can run a marathon. Now, will you be a marathon, like win the Boston Marathon? Probably not. You actually have to have some talent to win, be number one in the Boston Marathon. But you and I can both run it. So that's one of the common myths is that you have to have some inherent skill or you have to be some annoying person to your friends and family. The other myth that I hear a lot, even people within the industry, is that you have to sacrifice so much to have success. Because one of the things that I've seen a lot in our profession is I've seen people work themselves to death in this profession because you can, when you're a business owner, and that's not just a network marketing, that's in any business that you're a business owner, you literally can work 24 seven. And you know, that as a business owner, Patty, you could wake up, work until you pass out, dream about work, wake up, work until you pass out and dream about work over and over again for years. The thing about our profession is you gotta have a cadence that works. So there may be, I always tell people, you, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. There will be seasons where you will sprint, but you have to have a cadence that you can run the race and finish it. So in a marathon, it's 26.2 miles. You can't sprint the first five miles and have gas left for the last 20. 
you got to have a cadence that can kind of sustain you for the long haul. You might find yourself wanting to sprint for, you know, half a mile around mile 10. I don't know. I'm not a marathon runner, but you can't keep that cadence the whole time. So, you know, in this business, in this profession, you do have to find the right kind of mentorship that's going to pour into you. You know, one of the benefits of people who join our team is they get they get both me and Richard. They get the male and the female perspective on everything, you know, whether that's building the business or that's family. For us too, I tell my leaders, I tell them in advance, I tell them, I'm going to warn you. You start moving up in leadership in my organization, in our business, I'm going to be all up in your business. You're going to have not just a great business, you're going to have a great marriage. Your finances are going to be great. You're going to have thriving kids because it's, it's not okay for me for you to make a bunch of money in our business and have your life suffer. That is not okay. It is not okay to make all this money in the business and then have your hit kids hate your guts because you neglected them in the process. That's not okay. It's not okay to make all this money in the business and you're going through a divorce because you gave all your time and attention to your business. That's not okay. And until leaders like myself decide and put their foot down that it's not okay, it's going to be prevalent in the industry. And I see it all the time. And it's just, it's just not good. And it it kill and it just so disappointing when I hear people having that experience in the industry because it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary. So the role of leadership is important. I have always said, no matter really what you're doing, but I could really see in your industry how very important that is. So what advice would you give to somebody who was deciding maybe they had been in another company, another direct sales or network marketing company, and just didn't work for them? Or maybe they got a little bit of success, but you know, we just did go through the pandemic and a lot of companies in every business and every type of business kind of fell by the wayside, right? Maybe they're having to rebuild. Maybe now they're working from home. So there's a lot of different things that are going on right now. So if somebody was thinking, is this for me? Could this be just what I'm looking for? Or they're decided, you know what? I've tried to do this before and it didn't work. I just didn't have a very good upline. I just didn't have very good leadership. What advice would you give to somebody in that situation besides coming and talking to you and Richard, of course? (laughs) Well, the first thing I would tell people is not give up. You know, I mean, I tell people finding the right network marketing company is a lot like dating. Okay. When you date someone, when the first date is like rainbows and butterflies and, you know, fireworks are all firing and you date someone a little while you either find out one of three things. You find out one, this person totally sold you a false bill of goods. Who they said they were and who they are are completely different. And that happens in network marketing. People have the bait and switch. They say the company is this. They say the products are this. They say their mentor, how they lead is like this. And they are just not that. Sold you a false bill of goods. Second thing that can happen is you just realize you're just not a match. You know, nice, nice enough person. You just don't have the same core values. You don't really want the same things. The chemistry really isn't there. And that sometimes happens in network marketing too. Sometimes it takes you being involved in the company a little while to realize, you know what? I'm not like super in love with the products or I'm not excited about the culture here or these aren't really my people. I don't feel like I fit in. Something about it just doesn't feel right. There's nothing wrong with the company. It's just not right for you. The third thing, and it is under wonderful circumstances, is it is meant to be. You find the person, chemistry's there, you have a great time, you want the same things. It doesn't mean there's not problems. It doesn't mean you don't have to fight for it. It just means that most of almost everything you're looking for is there and you work towards something. And that happens in network marketing too, is that you got to find the right company with the right ingredients that you're looking for. No company is going to be perfect, just like no person is going to be perfect. You got to pick what company you're going to have problems with, just like you're going to pick what spouse you're going to have problems with. I'm sure you and Dave have plenty of problems, right? But different than if you were to marry somebody else. And that's the same thing. 
is you got to figure out what are the main things you're looking for in a company and don't settle on good enough. You know, for us, when we were looking for a new company, it took us an entire year looking because we were very specific on what we were looking for. The number one thing we were looking for was great leadership. Leadership that had experience in our profession, that had a great track record, that had a great reputation, and had experience running multi-million, multi-billion dollar corporations, and had enough financial backing to grow and scale the business. Second thing we were looking for was something in health and wellness that had products that were unique and cutting edge. We didn't want another pill. We didn't want another powder. We didn't want some of the same things that you see in the market. We wanted something different and unique that you could only get from this company. We didn't want something that you could just go to the grocery store and buy. Third thing that was really, really important that was the final litmus test. And there was other things that were important, but these were the big ones. The third thing was a culture that we could be proud of. We wanted some company that had a culture that I would be proud to bring my best friend, that I would be proud to bring my dad to and say, this is the company I represent. We wanted a culture we could bring our kids to the conventions and that the things that they would hear would be a blessing to them that would grow where they are. Because our kids grew up in this industry. Our oldest is 25 now. She was 10 when we started in this industry. So it's been an incredible ride. And I can say, you know, we looked for an entire year and most companies did not pass the leadership test. Once they pass the leadership test, a lot of companies didn't pass the product test. And at the end of the year, we finally got to a company that we could go to the culture test and we realized these are not our people. And we weren't willing to settle. We weren't willing to settle with a company that didn't have those three main things. And that was for us. That was what was important for us. What's important for whoever might be listening might be completely different. What their requirements are might be different than ours. But after 15 years in this profession, I can tell you those three ingredients are super important ingredients. And if you don't have those three ingredients, it's you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. Just like for me, if, if I, with my kids, I tell them, listen, you've got to find someone that matches your faith and your core values. If their faith doesn't match, you are going to have an uphill battle, your entire relationship, your entire relationship. So find someone who matches your faith and your beliefs, your beliefs and your faith. And that's something that people don't spend a lot of time thinking about is what's most important to them. And finding things that are consistent with that. Just like I said, you know, you got to find your core values and have things be driven by your core values. And, you know, I wish we had so much more time, but one of the things that a lot of people don't do enough of that you said a lot of is they got to know themselves. They got to know who they are. If they don't spend time getting to know what works for them, what feeds their soul, what makes them sing, what makes their heart sing. They're going to struggle. They're going to bounce from one thing to the next to the next. And they're going to fit. Something's just not going to feel right because they haven't figured out the formula that works for them. And when you know the formula that works for you, it makes choosing right that much easier. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, listening to you say how important those three things were while I was listening to you, it was like, you are those three things too, right? You know, when you, I think a lot of times the thing that we're looking for, we need to know that in order for us to have it, we need to be it, right? You know, it's kind of like when you're, you know, I always like to say, you know, even in the networking world, we both come from networking, right? I always like to say, you know, you need to show up and be the person that you want to have be on the other side of that, right? You know, show up and be that. So as I was listening to you with those, I was like, but you are those things, right? You know, and you know, were you those things day one, maybe 15 years ago? I don't know, right? You know, I didn't know you then. I kind of believe that you were though, because I met you not long after that. But the bottom line is, if you have the right leadership team, they can actually help you to grow and get there. Because I believe that in, in the direct sales network marketing industry, your first question shouldn't be, what's the comp plan? You know, that should not be your first question. Absolutely. It should not be. I mean, I asked so many people, 
why they chose a certain company. And it's unbelievable to me when people say the compensation plan. That is unbelievable. It should be the number one reason is leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You put a plant in bad soil, it does not matter the condition of the plant, it will die at some point. You put a dying plant in good soil, it does not matter, it is a matter of time before that plant starts thriving again. The soil is the thing that makes the difference. The soil. Oh, I love that. And you know, we could just keep going and keep going. I think I'm going to have to have you back on the podcast again. Maybe we could get Richard to to join us as well. But this is the Marketing Media Money Show, right? So as if you didn't already share enough, what would you say is the number one strategy for marketing media money? So my number one strategy really for life, and this I learned from my old pastor, Keith Craft, was to really know to your core, your core values. Like have them so clear that you can write them out. And it's not a laundry list. It's just a few, maybe five, maybe 10. But these are the things that are so important to you at your core, the things that you really value. You know, everyone has core values, but most people have never really discerned what they are, never verbalized it. And when you know your core values, All of your money and your marketing and your business decisions, they all should be dictated and driven by your core values. If they're not consistent with your core values, it will either not go or it will not succeed or at some point it just won't feel right. But when it's consistent with your core values, things will start to flow. Things will, I'm not saying it'll all be easy, but it'll feel right. And when things feel right, you will eventually find your flow. Oh, that is so good. Thank you so much for being here with us, Mary. I really appreciate it. I know everyone's going to want to connect with you. So what is the best way for them to connect with you? The best way to connect is either find me on Facebook or on LinkedIn. Love to connect with you. You can follow me there. One thing I'll pro- I'll, I'm just now starting to do is doing Wisdom Wednesdays on my Facebook profile. So many things I want to share, and I'm going to do that regularly on Wednesdays. So you can find me there and listen to our Wisdom Wednesdays. Oh, and you have so much wisdom too. So thank you again, Mary, for joining us. And to the audience out there, thank you for joining us on the Marketing Media Money Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, and I'm sure you did, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. So that's the end of this episode. Look forward to see you again next week. I hope you have a phenomenal day. And remember, if your day isn't phenomenal, you have the power to change it. Thank you for joining us today on the Marketing, Media, and Money Podcast. To shorten your learning curve even more, make sure to grab your free copy of the Marketing, Media, and Money magazine at www.marketingmediamoney.com. I promise your business will thank you.